babies. Look at you here with me right now. You have survived another Thanksgiving, or maybe it's just another day for you, and that's fine. What matters is you are still here sharing this life with all of us. The holidays are really difficult for me, I got to be honest, and I know that this is a time of the year when a lot of loved ones leave us. I'm here, and you're here, and I really hope you stay. I've mentioned that the holidays are hard for me, and I've said in a previous episode that I get the winter blues, seasonal affect disorder. With that on top of depression and anxiety, I am constantly looking for things to occupy myself in a way that suits me and my lifestyle. I would love to go rock climbing and take up boxing and maybe learn how to play piano, but I do not want to cut my nails. It's very vain of me, but I own it, okay? I am a creative person with a sedentary lifestyle, and I guess that's what I also want my leisure time to be as well. I don't know. Some people may say that's me being lazy, but fuck you. This is how I end up reading or doing cross-stitch or I don't know, whatever else I end up doing. But last year, I started buying jigsaw puzzles. Someone on Twitter posted a puzzle that was a collection of erotic pulp fiction. And I thought, okay, well, that has my name on it. That was made just for me. So I bought it and I sat on my dining table to work it out. And it was great. I played some like 80s cheesy music while I was working on the puzzle. And it just soothed my soul so much. And then I adopted my cat, Calliope, who liked to sit on top of the puzzle and then pull at it and chew on it and bat it around. So I put my love for puzzles on pause for a while. But my special guest today is probably going to convince me to get back into them. Rachel Wilkerson Miller is a writer and editor with a special interest in service journalism, like how to get organized or how to create your own uniform for work. She's written books on bullet journaling and maintaining friendships, so she is the perfect person to talk about puzzles, both jigsaw and crossword, because she's really good at taking all the little pieces of life and making them work together. I think we all need some help with that. This episode is sponsored by Dipsy. Everyone needs an escape, but those can be hard to come by right now. Enter Dipsy. Let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority. Dipsy is an app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush you never made a move on or that coworker you always had a little thing for. Or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they'd like to do to you. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash thisisgood. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash thisisgood. dipsystories.com slash thisisgood.
I'm Rachel Wilkerson Miller, and I am a senior editor at Vox, and I have written two books, Dot Journaling, A Practical Guide, and The Art of Showing Up, How to Be There for Yourself and Your People. We know each other because we were at the same media company for a little bit. Um, So today we are going to talk about puzzles, crossword puzzles, jigsaw puzzles, maybe even, I don't know, sometimes I buy little hand puzzles from places, but puzzles is our theme for today. Have you been doing puzzles for a very long time? Like, How did you get into them? Okay, let's see. I think I started in maybe 2016 or so. So, and I hadn't really been into them before, but it was at that media company where we worked. A lot of other people that we worked with were into them. And so we bought some for the office as like, this is like a nice thing to have around. If we just want to have some downtime, you can go work on this puzzle for a little bit. And so one day we went out to lunch for somebody's last day and we went to Javelina and it was like, oh, we're having lunch. We're having a good time. I'm used to going there for drinks. So I think I had I had at least one margarita at lunch and maybe two, <laughs> like totally forgetting, like you're at work. You have to go back to work after this. And I got back to work and I was like, oh, I shouldn't be at work right now. Like I'm, I'm a little bit drunk. Like I shouldn't, what the fuck did I just do? So I was like, well, I'm not going to write or edit right now. I guess I'll go work on this puzzle for a little bit. And so I just like walked over to the table where it was set up and started doing it. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is so soothing. It's so nice. I'm like enjoying myself so much. And then after that, I bought myself a puzzle to work on in my apartment. And it just was so, like, I'm not somebody who at that time was able to meditate. And I was like, okay, this is getting me a step closer. It's like a meditative-like activity without having to just sit there and do nothing. It was a really good way to unplug and just, like, take some time for myself or listen to a podcast without picking up my phone. Mm, I like that. I'm all about meditative stuff where you're still, like, moving and being active in a particular way, especially since... I feel like I have a very sedentary lifestyle and I am not like a runner or a jogger or anything like that. So I still want something where I am kind of moving a little bit, but I'm still comfortable in my body. And doing puzzles has been that for me. Like I, I don't know. It's like, it really is like this huge metaphor for life, right? Like you're giving all these pieces that are all like a mess and you have to put them in order. And then break them down again. (laughs) Yeah, it completely is. And so at the time, I was going through one of the most difficult times in my life. And I don't think it's an accident that I got into doing puzzles at that time because it was like, oh, this is something I can fix. This is something I can solve. It is contained. I can see the edges of it. And I, I don't feel like I have to work so hard. It's like the right level of challenge where you're using your brain and you're working towards something, but it isn't so frustrating that you're just like, I just want to give up on that. I mean, some puzzles are that hard, but you can find puzzles that are very doable. And it just really is nice when when it feels like everything is a mess to be able to, it's like the same reason that people might clean when they're going through a hard time. Like just there's something about organizing and making things right that I think is so, so soothing and helps so much if you're just feeling very chaotic. So what kind of puzzles are you doing? Did you start off doing like some low key or low stakes puzzles that are like, 100 pieces, and now you're into 10,000 pieces? (laughs) The first puzzle that I bought was 1,000 pieces. And I think 500 to 1,000 is my preferred amount. I think 750 is the sweet spot, but those are a little harder to find. And at the time, Terry Post, who's the person who kind of got me started on this, mentioned one time, like, oh, my favorite puzzle company. And I was like, oh, that's so funny that you have a favorite puzzle company. But I'm like, oh, no, some puzzles are better than others. So she was talking, I think, about um, the New York Puzzle Company. And I really do like their puzzles. And then there's um, Gallison and Mud Puppy are two brands that I really like.
like if you've been into like any indie bookstore, you've definitely seen these puzzles. They're very recognizable. So it's really beautiful art. And you, you want something that has like enough variation that it's fun because you're going to be looking at this thing for a while, especially if you're doing a thousand pieces. But I find that 500 goes kind of quickly. And so if I want, it's like nice if you're on a weekend trip with friends and you want to finish a puzzle in a couple of hours, 500 is great. But if you want something to kind of work at like over the course of a week, I feel like a thousand is the way to go. So that's usually what I tend to now. And do you know if these puzzles um, also come with like in different shapes and dimensions for those who need mobility aids or anything like that? There are definitely puzzles you can find that say on the box that they're the pieces are a lot bigger than other puzzles. It'll say like oversized and it'll have a picture on the box of like the actual size of the piece, which I think is really helpful. Occasionally, I've come across puzzles that have different shapes. So there's a a line of puzzles that have like curved edges. It'll be like a bouquet of flowers and it's like cut exactly around the flowers versus being a square. And I have one puzzle that I haven't done yet that's like 2,000 pieces, but it has the seashell puzzle. And I think there's some seashell shaped pieces in there. So in my experience, that actually makes things a little bit harder to do. But I think that if you're looking for some variety, if the traditional isn't working for you, it would be worth checking out some of the curved puzzles to see if that's helpful and definitely looking for oversized pieces. And you've talked about puzzles being kind of a community activity as well with like coworkers or with your friends and things like that. Do you have a preference for the type of puzzles that's just going to be for you or the type that you're like opening up to your friends and loved ones? I usually do the 500 pieces with friends and loved ones because, again, if people aren't doing puzzles regularly, like they might not want that big of a challenge. And I've started to be able to tell like when something is going to be fairly hard. But sometimes you can't tell. Sometimes it's a surprise and you don't realize like there's a puzzle that has it's like pencils that are all going on a diagonal and they have teeny tiny little text and patterns on them that are really hard to read. And like a lot of times the text will be upside down on some and not on others. It just was a pretty hard puzzle. So I'm like, I'm not going to bring that in when I'm doing a puzzle with my mom and my brother because I don't think they would really like it that much. So I try to look for ones. Terry gave me a really good tip, which is that puzzles that look like a grid in some way. So it'll be like, this is not a real puzzle, but like imagine like cereal boxes, like, or um, I have a stamped puzzle with like all different kinds of vintage stamps. Those are a lot easier because like you can just like see the grid very easily and kind of chunk it out. So I think those are better for doing with friends or with first timers because they go kind of quickly. They're fun, but they're not frustrating. And then I save more frustrating ones for like just me or my girlfriend and me so that it's like, we're going to work through this together because we have the patience for it, but I'm not going to push that on other people. Mm. And are you doing these strictly like on a dining table or a coffee table? Yeah, I've always done them on my dining table, but the problem is sometimes you'll get going and then you realize that the puzzle is too big. That's happened to me a few times or that the puzzle is the wrong direction. So if the final image is like a vertical shit or like, I don't know, I guess portrait mode, you would that can be harder to do because you're like, okay, where I need to sit is going to have me like working at the side of the puzzle and that can be a pain. So that's another thing to kind of check for is like, what is the finished size of the puzzle and make sure it's going to fit whatever table you have if you are in an apartment. But one thing I would recommend is a puzzle mat. Um, if you're doing them a lot, they are super helpful because they really do, you can pick it up and move it around. So at my old apartment, I would do it on my dining table, but then I could just pick the whole thing up and set it on my desk because my desk was fairly big and it was nice to have that option. Or you can like do it on the floor, but then if you need to move it because you're having people over or you have a pet that's going to step on it. It makes it easier to move. You can also like roll up a puzzle in a puzzle mat, but I've never tried that. I don't, I, I know it can be done, but I've never done it. 
Yeah, I looked at some of those puzzle boards that roll up because of my cat. And I just, um, I was scared to get one because I wasn't sure if it was going to be big enough and like if it actually worked. Because I just have a hard time imagining that I can actually just roll up the puzzle and tuck it away. Exactly. I can imagine that you could roll it up if it, most of it was assembled. But I'm like, I have all my little pieces out. I don't know how well those are going to roll up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of art do you gravitate toward? when it comes to puzzles because like obviously everything has become a puzzle like you can see some Van Gogh paintings that have been (laughs) puzzleized or whatever Um, and there's puppies and kittens and stuff like that and then there's the gradient ones which I want to get to but I haven't yet I don't think I'll ever get to the gradient I think that's just I want a puzzle that feels like a challenge but not like it's trying to like trick me and that feels like it's into that level of like I want to feel like I can do this so I think art like Finding art that you really like is probably one of the most important things. And the first puzzle that I did by myself was this beautiful ombre of like teeny barrettes, like hair barrettes that were all different. And they were just like arranged in this beautiful color ombre. The photographer's name is Jim Golden, and he takes a lot of really cool photos of like objects arranged nicely. So I've done some of his other puzzles and it'll be like like vintage cassette tapes or um, like, I think there's one that's sort of like camping equipment that's like all laid out and shot from above, like kind of like a magazine shoot would look. And so I really like ones that are like little objects where each one, when you look at it closely, you're like, oh, these are all a little bit different. I didn't realize that at first. And that makes it fun to kind of hunt for the pieces. So anything with like that vintage kind of angle. And then I've done some that are illustrations and I like animals like different birds or puppies or kittens. I think like you kind of just have to find like the art that you're drawn to and that catches your eye. But you're going to be with this puzzle for a while. So you want to like it. You want to like what you're looking at. How often do you repeat the puzzles? You know, like you've done this one, you put it away. And like, what's the distance between first completing it and then deciding, you know what, I'm going to come back to this one and do it all over again? You know, I haven't repeated one. And I think it's because I have so many puzzles. So like after writing about them, companies have sent me puzzles and like people give them to me as gifts because they know that I like them. And now I just have a big backlog. So I haven't repeated them. Usually I try to trade them with friends. Like if I know somebody else really likes puzzles, we can trade so that they're getting second use. And then somebody in Brooklyn recently started a puzzle exchange. And so I took her some of my old puzzles that I knew I wasn't going to do again. So it was nice to give them a second life. But then there are some that are so beautiful and I just have such a soft spot for them that I know even if I never do them again, I like can't give them up because I just like love them too much. Yeah. And do you have any of them that you've put together and then decided to frame them or like hang up or display in any kind of way? I haven't. I know that people do that and I'm always like, but can't you see all the little lines and like, doesn't that bother you? But then I'm like, I kind of get <laughs> Whenever I finish a puzzle, I'm like, man, this looks so good. I understand why you want to frame the art, but I've never done it yet. I think I would be more inclined to like try to find the art itself and frame that if I really liked it, but I've never just framed a puzzle itself. And how do you store your puzzles? Because New York life uh, apartments are pretty small in here and there's not a lot of storage space. So did you come up with any like crafty way of storing them so that they don't take up too much space? I wish there is <laughs> at my old apartment I found that like a lot of the like 500 pieces of the boxes are fairly small so they can often go under things so I had like a table in my entryway that they could tuck under because they're probably the box is probably like 8 by 8 so you can just kind of stick it under there and stack them but it's funny right now we have like a cabinet under our television and that's where we've been keeping them and just yesterday I was trying to put stuff into it because we've got we keep games in there too and it's just like oh no we've got too many puzzles and games like I got to reorganize this to make room and that's why I'm like I try to donate them or give them away when I can because 
it, it does take up too much space. And if I'm not going to use them again, I'm like, I'd rather get them out of here and send them off to somebody who can take them because they are, they're bulky. Yeah. And crossword puzzles. You're really into crossword puzzles as well? Yeah. I think that like both kind of stem from the same idea of like, I like little challenges. I like to work through little problems. I love brain teasers when I was younger. I still love brain teaser. <laughs> and so crossword puzzles are more toward that end of the spectrum where they're like word problems. So I think I probably got into crossword puzzles in 2019. And this is another Terry Post recommendation. I got to give her credit because she like loves puzzles and is the one who kind of told me I could do the New York Times crossword, which at the time seemed wild to me. And they have a really good guide that's called like how to do the New York Times crossword. And the sort of thesis of it is like being good at crosswords is like learning to read crossword clues. Like that's a huge part of it because the clues are written in ways that are genuinely clues. They'll tell you like, you can tell like this this is going to be in past tense versus present tense, or it's going to be plural, or it's probably going to be a proper noun because this word in the middle of the clue is capitalized. And so that was super helpful. And then they kind of explain also how, um, you know, Monday is the easiest day of the week. They get progressively harder. Sunday actually isn't the hardest, but it's just bigger. So these were things like you just don't know. It's like learning a new language of sorts where you have to kind of learn what the the common clues are and the common little tricks are. And the thing that that I realized is that, so I started doing the New York Times crossword app, which I think is like $3.99 a month. And when you pay for it, you get access to the archives. You can go back and do old ones. So I think when I started, I was just doing Mondays and Tuesdays. And then I was like, I don't have anything else to do this week. I'll like go back and do old ones. So I just went through and did like a ton of Mondays in a row. And you start to realize they actually repeat clues a lot and like repeat answers a lot. And so you're like, oh, I know this word, not because I know this bit of trivia, but because it's a crossword clue that comes up a ton. Like there's certain words with a bunch of vowels or whatever that like just are really common crossword words. So you start to get better at them that way. So it's like being a smart person who's well-rounded and reads a lot, like you'll do fine, but it also is about like practicing and getting good at crosswords specifically, which is a little different from just like being smart or knowing words. Yeah, I think a lot of people use the New York Times crossword puzzle as an indicator of intelligence, and it's not necessarily that. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) It's interesting the way people try to use it as a marker of something, and and as you've just let us know, there's a lot of ways to complete the puzzle. A hundred (laughs) percent. And one of the things that stuck out to me when reading this guide was saying that, like, it's okay to look up answers, which I would never have, like, I mean, obviously anyone can do whatever they want when they're doing a puzzle, but this was more like, no, like most people will have to look up some answers and that's fine. Like the point of doing this is to learn more things. And so a lot of times when you look things up, you're like, oh, I didn't know about this jazz album from the 1950s or this old commercial slogan. I don't know. But like you just come across clues and you like learn something while you're doing it. So I try to get through it without looking things up, but I don't feel guilty because that is how you get better at it and how you learn things. And then they have a column that they publish every day that talks through some of the tricky clues and it kind of explains them. So if you're like, I've gotten the answer filled in, but I don't know why. Or if you just can't get it, you can go there and get some explanation. And that's another way to learn. And so I just kept doing it and started building up to later days in the week, which are harder. And I found that even if a Friday puzzle or a Saturday puzzle was really hard and I had to like look up most of the answers, I was still learning something as I went. So it felt like it was exercising a muscle and kind of building it up until I could get better at them. So yeah, I've I found just such pleasure in it. I do them every morning or sometimes they'll like publish at 10 p.m. the night before. So sometimes if I'm still up, I'll like start the next mornings. And it's another really good, like I put the crossword app 
on my phone centered where I would normally have like Instagram or Twitter. And so it's like, if I have a little downtime and I want to be on my phone, I'm not going to go look at social media. I'm going to poke around the puzzle app. And that alone was like, made it so worth it. (laughs) (laughs) So you primarily use the crossword app. Do you ever go get a printed paper and, and sit at the table and fill them out that way? Yeah. So there's like plenty of other places to do crossword puzzles. Like the Times is definitely not the only one. It's just the one I started with and I like the app and so I'm comfortable with it. But like I do the New York Magazine one sometimes, which I find is a little easier and I really enjoy it. So I'll do that one in the magazine itself. But at the beginning of this summer for Pride Month, there's a group called Queer Crosswords, like queer and then crosswords with a Q. And they publish a pack of puzzles. They published their second one this year and it's all by queer creators. And you could get it if you donated $10 to a queer charity. So I was like, okay, this seems like I'll give this a shot. And so those I printed out and I was like, oh, this is so fun to do the printed ones. So I got a clipboard because I was like, I don't know, I'm not going to sit at the table. I want to like sit on my couch. So I got a clipboard for them. And my girlfriend who doesn't really like she doesn't care about crossword puzzles. She thinks they're hard and thinks the New York Times is annoying, which is like completely valid. <laughs> she like kind of got into them through this because the clues are really fun and it's a really good mix of like your classic crossword stuff, but the themes are queer or it just has like funny jokes, like an answer will be shade and like it's going to be clued in a very queer way versus the way the New York Times would like reference, you know, like taking respite from the sun. Like it just, <laughs> that's the thing about crosswords. And this is a thing that I didn't know is that often the answers stay the same from puzzle to puzzle. So a Monday and a Saturday, they're totally different on the difficulty level. The answers might be mostly the same. It's the clues that get harder. And so they give the example of like Oreo is a really common clue in the puzzle. And so on Monday, it's probably going to be clued as like a black and white cookie, you know, or like dunks and milk and things like that. But on Saturday, it might be something that's kind of an obscure fact about Oreos that you've never heard. And so I think that the queer crosswords were a really good example for my girlfriend to see like, oh, it really does come down to the cluing. And you start to notice like, here are the constructors I like, or here are the publications that I like. And so if you've tried the New York Times and didn't like it, or you tried the New Yorker and didn't like it, I do think it's worth kind of poking around until you find one that feels like a better fit for you, because it does really come down to like, who is writing them, who is editing them. It's like anything, there's a voice to them. And so finding a person who you like is important. That is so interesting to me, because I never really thought about different themes for crossword puzzles. Uh, Last maybe like 2019, I started getting back into, this is also elementary, but fill it in puzzles, fill it in word puzzles, because I don't have the patience for crossword puzzles, but my mom loves them. Anyway, so I started getting back into fill it ins because I wanted to, again, do something to occupy myself that was still kind of like word-based, but it wasn't too challenging. And of course, those things can be themed and, you know, whatever, and you go find them and they're usually kind of tucked away in like where senior citizens go. Yes, and, yes. And, <laughs> There's like thick books of yes, them. Yes, yes. And I'm like, what are you trying to say? I have to be like 75 <laughs> to enjoy this. But anyway, so I'm wondering when you're looking for other types of crossword puzzles, like how do you look for something that is more suited to your lifestyle or, you know, your interests and things that you're into? I think that one thing to try is to kind of find different constructors who you like, kind of think of them like authors, that they're going to have their own style. And you can tell often when you're doing a puzzle that a young person wrote it, you can tell how it's written, you can tell who they're using. Like 
Lil Nas X is coming up in puzzles a lot more. Like Nas X is a word that is like an interesting like combo of words that are letters that you wouldn't have seen that can be helpful. Like when you're building a puzzle, you need sort of unusual combinations of letters can be helpful. And so that's the one that's coming up a lot. And so when I'm doing a puzzle and I see like Lil Nas X is in there or Minaj is in there and like Nicki Minaj is the clue, I'm like, okay, so like that might be somebody who I would like go find their Twitter and see if they publish their puzzles anywhere else or just follow them. And I found that there's a pretty big crossword community on Reddit and I, there probably is on Facebook too. And so I think that if you were really curious and you went there and said like, like, you know, I'm looking for Black women constructors, like, give me some names, link some Twitters, who should I be following? I think there's people who could probably make recommendations. Yeah, I wish it were a little bit easier to find these things, but I think it's kind of like paying attention and then like asking around within the puzzle community, you'll start to find the people that you like and connect with. And that was one of the other things that I liked about the Queer Crosswords collection is that all the authors are in there. And so it's like, okay, I can... Now I have all these new puzzle creators. If I like them, I can go find them and and see where else they're publishing to do more of their puzzles. That's awesome. So when you printed out these puzzles, are you completing them in pencil or in ink? I do them in pencil just because like, I don't know, you're going to make some mistakes. I've done them in ink before. And then like, I don't know, even if you get one thing wrong and you're crossing it out, it doesn't look as nice. So (laughs) there's also, I came across when I was really into journaling, erasable, like modern erasable pens that I didn't realize exist. Now I think of them from when I was in like fourth grade, like kind of crappy erasable pens, but there's actually nice erasable pens now, which I think is kind of a nice, like you can split the difference, but I find that a nice mechanical pencil, I find the sensation of like writing that on like a thick stack of paper on this clipboard that I got is actually really pleasant and I really like the sensation of it. So I go with pencil for that reason too. I just like like how they write. There is something very satisfying about like a super sharp pencil mm-hmm. and you're writing on kind of like a just thick enough stack of paper. Yes. It's so <laughs> nice that I like I'm like I could do this in pen, but I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How has doing puzzles changed the way you approach problems in your life, if they have at all? I guess, are you putting more into the puzzles than the puzzles are giving to you? Hmm, That's a good question. I think that, I think that what the puzzle is giving me in large part is just like entertainment and sort of a hobby that is not, you know, it's a way to be on my phone without, you know, scrolling, which I think is like, that alone is worth it. But I think that it has made me, it's funny how many things I realize I know now because I have seen it in crosswords. So I, we've recently been watching NBA games and periodically I'll be like, oh, that's a name that I know from doing crossword puzzles or <laughs> like I know about different birds or just kind of obscure things that I wouldn't have known before. I don't know that that's really doing much for me in the long run, but it's fun to know it. But I do think that doing crossword puzzles in particular has made me feel It has made me like sort of spot puzzles in other instances where like if I'm following directions on a map or something like that and feeling a little like overwhelmed, it's like, no, it's like you can just break this down. It's step by step. And there's something about that that feels related to the puzzle process to me where it's like you just kind of go one step at a time and read it carefully. Like a recipe isn't a puzzle. A map isn't a puzzle, but these things are kind of related. And so I think it makes you feel a little bit more competent that you're like, no, I can work things out. I'm. It kind of gives you a boost because we aren't, if you're not out of school, you're not really like tested on things anymore. You don't really get a chance to sort of challenge yourself. And so I think being given that chance makes you feel a little bit more competent in other areas of your life. Mm, I like that. I like the idea of challenging yourself so that you can 
prove yourself to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Well, thank you so much for joining me and talking about puzzles. I'm going to get back into them because I actually miss doing them. And I'm just going to have to, I don't know, do something with my cat whenever I, I, I pull one out. Yeah, I feel like as we head into winter, it's worth kind of like... I'm like, oh, it's time to get back into puzzles and games and other little little cozy activities. It's a good time of year for it. Yeah, it is a cozy activity. And you can still be peaceful with each other. You know, you don't necessarily have to be talking and having a conversation, which is not to say that I don't want to talk to my loved one, but it's just, <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> no, it's not. It's the perfect blend of like, we can talk or not talk. We can be talking about the puzzle or we can talk about other things. I think it's nice to be working on a task together. It's a bit like driving. Like you can have really good conversations when you're driving because you're just in sort of this relaxed thing. That yeah. If you go silent for a minute, it's not like weird. Yes, exactly. Thank you again. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And now it's time for today's indulgence, that part of the show where I recommend something you can enjoy without defense. I don't believe in Santa Claus and I don't believe in guilty pleasures. Show off. Seek to impress someone. Everyone has a special skill or talent. Show it off. We're too often told to be humble, don't be cocky, have some humility, but it's really just a way to keep us in our place and to not get excited about ourselves. Fuck that. Love what you do and share it with someone. Okay, I have been hanging out with this guy. I mean, he's fine, but it's always over in my neck of the woods, right? And I finally decided to go to his place out in West Bubblefuck, New Jersey. I have never traveled to New Jersey except to the airport. But when he picked me up from the station, he was like a little puppy, just kind of hopping around with excitement to show me his world, to show me, you know, his house and his neighborhood. And then he cooked for me, okay? It was a seafood smorgasbord. Can you have a smorgasbord of seafood? I don't know, a buffet, whatever. Grilled lobster, smoked salmon steaks, smoked shrimp, smoked bell peppers, some grilled potatoes and onions. And we had a nice little collection of wine. But as he was moving through his kitchen and the patio and just like he was shimmering, like glowing with this desire to impress me and kept looking at me to make sure I was looking at him. And it was so cute and sweet. And when I first bit into the shrimp, I let out the sound that very few have heard from me. And then he blushed and relaxed his shoulders. And it was just like... He was trying to impress me and he needed that validation that he had. And he had impressed me. I loved what he had done. And it had been such a long time since anyone had, you know, had shown me their special skill that wasn't like your basic dating skill, if you know what I mean, to impress me. Sometimes we share our talent and, you know, we brush it off because we've been told that thing of, you know, we've got to stay humble, right? Oh, I just threw that together. I just threw these on the grill. No, you didn't. You took the time to make this thing, to research it, to go out and buy the food, to get the ingredients, whatever. So you should honor your work and take the compliment and also just shine for yourself. Just in case you don't have anyone in your life who'll give you the proper reaction when you do something impressive, here are a few from me that you can replay as needed. <clears throat> okay, I see you. All right. 
Oh my God, you look amazing. Where did you get that outfit? Congratulations. Oh my God, you deserve this and so much more. Oh wow, you did this all by yourself? This is incredible. Okay, I like it. This is such a good job. I am so proud of you. So go ahead. Show off, boo. I, for one, am very impressed with you. This has been your indulgence. You have been absolved. This is Good For You is hosted by me, Nicole Perkins, and produced by Multitude. Our lead producer is Eric Silver. Our editor is Brandon Grugel. And our executive producers are Amanda McLaughlin and me. Our theme was created by Don Will, and our art is by Jessica E. Boyd. You can follow the show at This Is Good Pod, and you can follow me at Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That's T-N, whiskey with an E, woman. And a huge, huge thank you to everyone who supports the show on Patreon, especially to our supporting producer-level patrons, Chelsea, Conchetta, Courtney, Elizabeth, and Mira. To get exclusive rewards like stickers, monthly playlists curated by me, and even custom drabbles written just for you, join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash thisisgoodpod. This was good for me. Was it good for you?